Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. And I really do appreciate you joining us, whether this is your first time listening or if you're a long time listener, a first time caller. I don't know, something like that. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us. we got a great guest for you today. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Before we get there, let me remind you, if you haven't checked out our brand new YouTube channel, we'd love for you to go check that out. Every single week, we are posting brand new speech breakdowns. We're taking some of the more popular TED Talks and speeches and keynotes and presentations that exist online. We are sharing kind of the ins and outs of those talks, why they work, things that, that worked and uh, how they worked and some things that could be improved upon. So there's a lot that you can take away and learn that you can apply to your next presentation. So definitely stop by and check that out. You can find out by going straight to our channel over at youtube.com slash the speaker lab, youtube.com slash the speaker lab, or just go to YouTube and search for the speaker lab or search for speech breakdown. And you will find uh, many different videos that we have done there. So if you like those videos, definitely subscribe, like comment on them. And uh, we really appreciate that. Let us know if there's a talk or presentation or speaker that you would like for us to break down at some point in the future. Now let's get to today's guest. Today we're going to be chatting with my buddy Clint Pulver and uh, Clint has a, a great story. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We talk about how he literally burned the, well not literally, but figuratively burned the boats, transitioned from a, a corporate job to being a speaker. Speaking was something he kind of dabbled with, then he kind of went in the corporate world. Speaking was that thing that's kind of hanging in the back of his mind. And ultimately, he made a transition back into speaking. How he did it was uh, was pretty impressive. I think you're really going to enjoy that transition. Uh, and Clint's also actually a, a professional drummer. So he incorporates drumming into his talks. So we talk about how he does that to create a, a real interactive, engaging experience. We talk about the importance and value of good demo video and website and how that has really helped him. He actually has a brand new website and demo video that are really, really legit. So we'll link up to those in the show notes as well. And then finally, we talk about the value of networking with other professional speakers, how he got his foot in the door with them early on, and a, a great story about meeting a speaker in person and the value that that had on his business and that relationship that they built. So Clint's an extremely genuine, authentic guy. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Clint Pulver. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here today, joined by Clint Pulver, who is a uh, solid speaker who's been speaking for... How long have you been speaking? I, off and on for about seven years. Okay. All right. And so you've been at this for a minute and uh, I've been speaking to a wide variety of audiences. And that's one of the things we we're going to talk about today. But also you are uh, what appears to be a really, really, really good drummer. Is that true? I try my best. You there do? Okay. Because here's the thing. I dabble. I've mentioned this before is that I am a closet air drummer and I'm very, very good air drumming in my car. <laughs> and you know, you you put on some Phil Collins or whatever and I'm I can rock out, but I don't. I can keep a very basic, steady tempo, but that's about the extent of it. But uh, you use drumming in your talks, is that right? 
I do. Every keynote. Every keynote has percussion with either the audience, uh, myself on a drum set, all sorts of stuff. So how do you incorporate that? What, like, what, is that, what does that look like? Because I think for, for some people, there's different people who have different types of skill sets. So whether it's drumming or magic or whatever it may be, and like, this is cool. This is this thing that I do. It'd be cool to incorporate it into speaking. I know a couple other speakers who incorporate drums or some type of music. Uh, I know a saxophone player who speaks. But like, what does that look like for you? How do you incorporate drums into speaking? Yeah, for me, it depends on the audience. For me, I have a, a story, one of my signature stories, I guess you could, you could call it. I had a teacher that changed my life as a young kid with a pair of drumsticks. And I was the kid that was always tapping and always was in trouble because I could never sit still. Yeah. And he was the first person in my life that looked at me and said, hey, this kid, he's not the issue. He's not the, the difficult child that everybody says he is. I think he's just a drummer. And he gave me my very first pair of drumsticks. Wow. And uh, that was uh, 21 years ago. And I've never put them down. That was kind of the promise he and I made. And I so tell that story third person. They don't know that I'm the, the kid in the story. Yeah. And then we have the drum set on stage. We unveil the drum set. And it gives teachers, kids, corporations that full circle view into influence. Right. And the power of what happens when you find a Mr. Jensen in your life, when you find that mentor, when you find that person that believes in you. And then on the other side, when you become that Mr. Jensen, when you have the opportunity to you know, mentor your people, not just manage them, when you have the opportunity to be that educator that they never forget you because of who you were and you got to the part about them. And so that's how we tie that in. And then we do interactive drumline pieces where everybody's got buckets and drumsticks. And we've done that in you know, arenas with 3,000 people to workshops with 20 people and teaching teamwork principles, engagement principles education tools, tips, and it just creates that unique, fun, moving, interactive piece that hopefully, you know, it helps people to retain the message a little bit more, but yeah. also makes it an engaging, exciting experience. It's different. Yeah. It's more than just having a microphone. So what does that look like? I'm just curious, like logistically, if you have an arena of 3000 people and everybody's got buckets and sticks, how do you facilitate that? Who's covering costs on that? And even yeah. just from the standpoint of, let's say you're not doing that, but you're bringing a drum. So are you, are you traveling with your own drum kit for every yes. gig that you're going to? Yes. Yeah, so I work with a backline company and endorsers and drum companies that sponsor and work with me to get my drums to the locations. Got it. I'm speaking in a high school. Most high schools will have a drum set. Yeah. Uh, most. Uh, some, and then junior highs. Most junior <laughs> highs will have a drum set. So all of you, their drums, which helps with logistics. But if it's a corporate show or an educator conference, I usually will work with my backline companies. And those are just, those are distributors in specific areas like Nashville has tons of them in your area you. where you're yeah. at. And I would just call up them and say, hey, these are my sizes, send them my rider. And then they would get me the drums and get them to the event. And most of the time they even set them up for me as well. So logistically, it's really not as bad as it seems. Sometimes it's, it's not always uh, a wonderful experience either. It definitely makes it harder, <laughs> but it's totally worth it because right. drums, you know, and, and to do that is so fun. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, all right, let's backtrack a little bit. So how did you first get into speaking? I never wanted to be a speaker. I, that was like not my, like I didn't grow up and say like, I want to be a professional speaker, a motivation. Right. That was not the, the, the game plan. I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. I went to flight yeah. school, wanted to fly. I was diagnosed with an eye disease and the eye disease kind of transitioned me from my whole direction of being a pilot to now I ended up in college. Before that though, I spoke in high school when I, I actually spoke in church 
and I was a senior in high school and there was a guy that was in the congregation and he heard me speak and he came up and he owned a leadership consulting company. And he said, Clint, I want you to come speak to a bunch of other student leaders down in Southern Utah. Wow. And I said, no, you were, you were still in high school at the time. Yeah, I was still in high school. And I was like, wow. I have no desire to go speak to other high schools. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm good. And he said, I'll pay you 500 bucks. And I yeah. was like, what day? When do you need me? Like, <laughs> I'm in. Let's go. $500 to a high school kid is like a billion dollars. Yeah, it's huge money, right? Yeah. And so I, I said, yes, absolutely. And I went down and I put together this little workshop that I still teach a, a portion of today called To the Beat of the Drum. And I got buckets and drumsticks. And I just taught music principles and teamwork principles that I had learned through drumline, through yeah. music. And I, I had a blast. I felt that was the first time in my young life I could really remember like actively like adding value, making a difference, having fun at the same time. And I didn't know that, that this was like a thing. I didn't, I grew yeah. up in a small town. We never had speakers. And I had six schools that came up to me at that conference and they said, we want you to come speak at our school. Wow. And I, that's how it all started. And then word of mouth happened and, um, yeah, and then just started speaking more and more. But the whole time, you're still, you said, a high school student and into college? Yep. yep, and then I graduated. And then again, I never looked at this career as a career. I never looked at the industry as something. It was just, I felt like, especially when I was doing it through college, I just felt like I had a cool college job. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Tuition, help pay for rent. But again, I, and then I couldn't fly anymore. And my parents were more of like, you got to have stability and you need to have yeah, the yeah. insurance and the benefits. And so I ended up going to the healthcare route and became an orthopedic specialist when I graduated and worked in the OR uh, doing total joints and hip replacements and wow. selling medical device equipment and loved it, was making great money as far as like the success side of it. But on the fulfillment, the significance, it was just not... And where I felt that the most was when I was speaking. And yeah. so that was almost two and a half years ago. And I quit my job completely. I left the medical field. That was five years post-college and had totally left speaking after I graduated college, devoted myself to the medical field. And then two and a half years ago, I burned the ships and jumped back into this career full-time and definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. Okay. So I'm really curious there on that, just that kind of that timeline and that process of what was kind of going on for you and your head mentally, emotionally. So you're speaking in high school, you enjoy that, you go to college, still kind of dabbling in it. It's just kind of a fun little, pays the bills a little bit. Then you graduate college and okay, I got to quote unquote grow up and I need to get a real job, which, which a lot of us have been told that. But so you do that for a little while. You're in the medical world for a little bit, not doing any speaking. So what's ha even realizing like, okay, I'm doing this thing. I'm making good money. I don't enjoy it. Like, how does the speaking start to creep back in? Because you don't just go from like Friday, I decide I don't want to do this medical yeah. thing anymore to I'm going to yeah. quit my job and Monday I'm going to be a full-time speaker. Like that's a process, you know? So what's that, that journey like of going from, I don't enjoy this job, but what would I rather be doing to becoming a full-time speaker? Yeah. So I, I had the opportunity in college. I was so at Utah Valley University is where I studied and they have a place that's called the Center for the Advancement of Leadership. And at the time it was ranked uh, number three in the country for leadership schools on a collegiate level. Cool. So, I mean, Stephen Covey was heavily involved in that, the vital smarts, all the Dale Carnegie pro like 
I, so I, and I was a part of that. I graduated from that program. It was a three-year program. And so I learned leadership. We were taught, we had masterminds, we had keynote speakers from all over the country that showed me what that looked like, taught me different principles, helped me to like really understood, understand what it means to have purpose and significance and to be motivated and drive and yeah. all those things just, I always loved. And so I was kind of involved in that arena where I was able to learn and feel and understand a lot of the core principles of and rub shoulders with people that were doing it full time. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember saying I, I, that that's what I love. That's what I like to do. That's what I, but again, I couldn't ever really see because I was, I was, at the time, I was not full-time. I was dabbling in it. It was in the youth market. It didn't, in my mind, it never clicked that this could be a substantial full-time thing. And when I was in that program, I had two mentors that gave me two quotes. Um, one's a, a Mark Twain quote and the other one's Oscar Wilde. And the Mark Twain quote is, you know, the two important days in a person's life is the day you're born mm-hmm. and then the day you figure out why. Right. And then the most pivotal, I guess, quote or life-changing moment with a mentor was the quote by Oscar Wilde uh, that says, to live is the rarest thing in the world. For most people merely exist, and that's all. Like to really live, not just exist. And I found myself post-college in my job, my nine to five, the routine, every single day, Grant, I was just existing. Rinse and repeat, get up, do the same, rinse. I was not doing what I was put on this earth in my mind and what I believed to, you know, that, 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 that was not fulfilling my purpose, my calling, my whatever you want to call it. I didn't have that. And the, the time when I felt that was when I was speaking. And so I, I, so to transition on how this all came to be, I was sitting down with two, two buddies, both professional uh, career people heavily involved in their career. And I asked them, I said, wouldn't it be crazy, you guys, if you could find one job that allows you to do three things. What if it allows you to do what you love most of the time? Second, it allows you to provide financially for yourself in a way that's sufficient for your needs. And then third, what if it allowed you to do something bigger than yourself most of the time? Yeah. Like, what if you could find a job that allowed you to do all three most of the time? And my, my buddies both fired back, again, career professionals, and they said, I don't think it exists. <laughs> And that's I said, cute, cute dream. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what? And they're like, well, think about it. They're like, well, look at like a doctor, for example. Like, sure. yeah, they might be high on fulfillment, but like, you know, and they might be making the bills, but like the stress and the malpractice and the time they're away from their family, or you look at a teacher, yeah. you know, yeah, it's full of purpose, but it, you know, they're trying to find a summer job because they can't pay their bills. Like, I don't think you can find that perfect balance of all three. They just said it's rare. And one of my friends said it's, you know, an, an anomaly. He said, that is an anomaly. If you find that, it is an anomaly. You know, and again, that quote by Oscar Wilde, to live is the rarest thing in the world. To live is the rarest thing in the world. And two weeks after that, I quit my job, burned all the ships, and left everything. And jumped into the speaking world full-time to become the anomaly. And so that was that pivotal like, build-up to how that took place. And now again, probably everyone's like listening, like, how did you do that? So two weeks yeah. conversation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. great career, a great job. And so here's one thing. So one thing I had a list of people that I had spoken for throughout my high school and college years that I directly went back to. 
that those were the people that I called up and I said, Hey, listen, this is what I'm doing because I knew that I needed to get a demo video. I knew I needed to get a website, mm -hmm. but I didn't have any of that at that time. And so I called those people and they were my first line of, of opportunity. Mm -hmm. The second line of opportunity is uh, the best thing I did is I announced, I made a huge announcement on Facebook, which still is like to this day, like the biggest post I've ever posted that got the most buzz or hits or whatever. And I, I just posted today, I quit my job. And everybody knew I had a great job in the medical field, my friends, my family. And it was just like, what? And I put that I quit my job to be a speaker. And people were like, dude, you're crazy. What are you doing? Why didn't you come to me before you quit? Yeah. yeah they're like, dude, we need to talk. Like people are right. personally like messaging me. Like, you okay? Like, what? what yeah. you know, you need, you, let's go to lunch. <laughs> but on that, I, I posted, I said, if anybody knows or if anybody has opportunities for speakers to speak, I'm all in. And I booked seven gigs from that Facebook post alone. And just the buzz, it, it, it showcased and told everybody that, you know, I put it out to the world. I really, you know, taking that step. But again, it was, I'm all for like burning the ships, but I'm also for bringing the ship in as close to the dock <laughs> as you can before right, you right. Right. And so uh, the other thing I did is I created a board of directors and I would recommend every speaker does this. You create just like a company would create a board of directors. You create your board of directors of five, six close professional speakers that are, this is not your mom. This is not your best friend or your cousin. This is, these are full time professional speakers that are doing what you want to do and doing it the way that you would see yourself hopefully doing it. Yeah. Um, I met with them, called them, had conversations with them on a weekly basis. And I had kind of a list of things that I needed to have happen. And I needed approval from that board. My, my, my whole mantra, my, my standard was I needed to have the okay from all of my board of directors before I could make the move. Yeah. And so this was the thought process before that, you know, two weeks I quit my job. I had that, that approval. I knew what I wanted to speak on. Um, I had done my research by listening to my clients. I also went out and one of the best things I did is I interviewed, I started again in the youth market, which I was familiar with. And I went and I interviewed 20 high school principals. And I took the time and I went into the high schools and I said, listen, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I'm, I'm getting ready to leave my job. I want to jump back into this. What do you hire speakers for? Do you hire, first off, and what do you hire them for? Yeah. And then I just listened. It was one of the best things I ever did. I did the same thing when I transitioned into the corporate market. And, you know, I think that sometimes speakers, we go, this is what I want to speak on. Or this is what I want to present about. Or this is what I have for the world, which yeah. is great. But I would also balance that with, man, take the time to really go listen to the people that are going to be writing checks if you want to do this on a professional level. Yeah. yeah. The, so that, that's kind of... You know, we can dive into more of those, Grant, but that's the framework of really what allowed me to make the jump. So you had this conversation with these couple buddies um, and kind of had this epiphany and two weeks later, you quit the job. So two weeks later, like, did you have any speaking engagements lined up at the time? No, nothing. Okay. So nothing lined up. So then from just a, a logistical, practical standpoint, do you have any savings or like what any plan B or are we going to move back in with mom or what, no, or what do you think at that standpoint? Yeah. So um, all my life, I believed in the power of an emergency fund. Yeah. And so I had an emergency fund, which was about four to six months of expenses. Cool. So I knew that I had that buffer 
yeah. that, okay, Clint. And then also at the time, I need to tell everybody too, I didn't have a family. I did have a home. I did have a car payment. I did have, you know, I did have to put gas and groceries, but I didn't have kids and I didn't yeah. have a wife at the time. So that changes like the dynamic of like yeah. what it costs. You need a lot of ramen noodles for very little. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so, but I also budgeted and looked at my finances and said, okay, Clint, what do you have to make in a month? And I would, I would break this down. If you're looking at the trajectory, it all comes down to, you know, those little financial goals, uh, career goals, where just breaking that down. And I just said, what do I need on a weekly basis? What do I need on a monthly basis to survive? And then I equated that to obviously speaking gigs and what I needed to do to still support myself. Nice. All right. So you, you make that announcement publicly, you book seven gigs right out of the gate there. What do you do from there to continue that momentum? Cause it's a good, like, as you well know, one of the things we talk a lot about is speaking is very much a momentum business and it can be really, really hard to get the boulder moving. Once you get it moving, you start to generate a lot of referrals and word of mouth and repeat and you build relationships with other speakers that can refer you leads and you can start to just kind of pick up some things organically as you get going. So what did you do early on, even beyond those initial seven to keep the momentum going yeah so for me having again the 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 board of directors and and having that uh that guidance from them was pivotal for me i knew that video was king so first off we always talk about it grant you talk about it everybody on the podcast we always talk about you have to have a good speech okay that's number one you have to have a great product you have to have a great message that has to be the problem solving solution to whatever it is that you're speaking to that's number one. Yeah. So I knew through my board of directors having that guidance that I had a product that was workable. Also listen to the consumer and the audience members, the, the hiring, the decision makers, the people that were going to book me, mm-hmm. knew that it was a tangible, workable, marketable product. So that aside, after that, I knew that video was the number one thing that I could do. And I knew the power of a good demo video because I had an okay, but I knew that you needed that. That's a number yeah. one thing that you need. What I did though that was a little bit different that still to this day is probably the number one best thing I've ever done in my business is I created my signature story into a video. If you're similar, if you're, if you're familiar with Goalcast or any of the motivational type videos that we see online and on Facebook and yeah. how they take these messages and these stories and they visualize it. They put it in a video format that's, you know, two to three minutes long, but it's impactful, it's moving, and it's shareable. Yeah. Uh, So I created the Mr. Jensen video and I produced it myself. I directed it. I found the actors. I found, I storyboarded the whole thing and I produced the film. I took uh, seven grand of my own money and that was a big investment for me at that time. Totally. But it was the it was the silver bullet. It was the best thing that I did, and I did it right. It wasn't low production. It wasn't you know a cheap little like let's just get it done to get it done and get it out. It was well done. And I think now overall with all of the Facebook videos, YouTube videos, we're at 19 million views. Wow, that video. I'm 85 percent of my bookings that first year and a half all came from that video. That's a huge, like, it feels, you know, almost like these are all my chips. I'm going to push them all in and on this one video. So it sounds like you had a ton of confidence that obviously this is going to work out. I'm going to hopefully get some type of virality from this or get some type of traction and end up getting a lot of bookings. Was there any concern of like, 
this may not work. Maybe it doesn't take off or land like I hope it does, or it doesn't come out or resonate with people like I think it might. Was there any concern? Like I've burned the boats, I've pushed the chips in, and I'm putting a lot of eggs in this one basket for, I'm trying to come up with as many analogies as I can here. <laughs> all, the, all the things, all the things. But basically coming down to this one video that worked, but it could have just as easily potentially not worked. So what, what gave you the confidence of like, this is the video that's going to really potentially make or break me? So in all full transparency, the whole time I was like, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to lose my house. Like, those thoughts were all like, and still continuously, I'm still right. trying to figure totally, it out. Right? Totally, totally, totally. It still happens. The only reason that I was able to successfully do this is first off the support of my now family, my, my now wife and family. But then again, the power of the board of directors. The power, because I knew that I had approval from six dudes that were doing it a lot better than I was. Yeah. And I told them too, like, don't blow smoke. Don't make me feel good. I'm not here. Like, I need the guidance. I'm, I'm, you know, and they saw, again, the desire, the drive. They knew that I was making that commitment. I quit my job. Like, there was that buy-in on my end as well. Yeah. And they really poured into me. And with that approval, supported the, the faith and the ability to okay, this is worth it. I'm in. And so it wasn't just Clint's idea. It was Clint's idea with the support and the backing of people I trusted, loved, and again, had the credibility uh, that what they said and to, and to give me the green light, if, if you will, I trusted that. And right. that's what helped me to move forward. So what does it look like? So you, you create an amazing video you put it out in the world and then what? Do you just sit back and wait for the phone to ring? Which is what you know some speakers wish could happen is I create one piece of content or one I do one thing and then I just wait and all the you know all the dominoes start to fall and it all works out. So what did that look like for you? You post a video, then what happens? Yeah, so then the third thing, so again, great speech, great video, and then the yeah. third part is that website. I had to create uh, a website that after they, because I, I strategically at the end of the video just put clintpulver.com. Yeah clintpulver.com, clintpulver.com, to where, again, if they wanted to find more, it wasn't a sales pitch. It doesn't sell me necessarily as a speaker. It was just a moving piece that if they were a decision maker, there was shots of me with a microphone. There's pieces of me. And it shows me that, that I do speak. Yeah. And boom, to then lead them to that website. And that was the, the third and biggest investment that paid the biggest dividends uh, was the website. We've got a brand new website that I haven't launched yet. It's live right now. So if anybody wants to go check it out, they're welcome to, but I haven't announced it to the world yet. There's still one more board of director that we're waiting on uh, some approval and working out some uh, thoughts with. And, cool. But we have worked all year on this new website as we're transitioning more into the corporate space, but still working in the youth, college, and educator space. And so having a substantial, clean, crisp, confident building website for that decision maker uh, has been huge yeah. and uh, we worked really hard at that which i was looking at your site and some of your videos beforehand and this your stuff looks really 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 good the site looks really good the videos are really highly well produced and uh, it makes a difference you know that's one of the things that we talk about is whether we like it or not people judge books by their cover and so Absolutely. if you are the most amazing speaker in the world but your marketing materials especially your website and your video suck people assume for better or worse that you suck as a speaker may not be true may not be fair may not be accurate but we all do it and right. so yeah these things really 
show, like I haven't seen much of you speak, but I assume you're a really good speaker based on this, right? And that's the same thing from an event planner standpoint, what they may be thinking. So, so it sounds like, again, you've done the, uh, having a really, really good talk that's really well done. It's different. It's polished. Having, being able to, to network and connect with other speakers and then like really putting a lot of resources into creating really well done marketing materials. Um, those things have really combined to create a lot of word of mouth and buzz and, and create some momentum for you, huh? Yeah, those are the big foundational blocks. That has been you know, everything that I've been able to build up from. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part. Like that's the grind. That's the, it's still hard. I, I, yeah. It's not ever easy in this industry. But that really is the like down to the wire, pushing against, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, tough stuff that I think a lot of speakers struggle to get that to that level. But then after that, I mean, there is a little bit of, you, you've got the machine. You've yeah. built the machine and now it's just targeting and, and figuring out where you want to take that. So today, how do you generate most of your bookings and where do most of your, your leads, inquiries, and just business come from? Yeah. So still that video, the video is still huge. Yeah. Um, we, we have now you know collaborated and worked with other entities that share motivational videos, inspiring stories to help get that out to a wider range and to a bigger audience. Yeah. So that's been still number one. Second is the power of good relationships and great speakers. Also, too, I mean, having a great speech always gets spinoff. You always get other people that hear you at an event that want you to come speak that you did a great job at. So, again, it's kind of a hodgepodge. I'm not giving a direct answer because it is. It's a mix of Yeah, it's all kinds of things, yeah. And then, then we've also, the strategy has been to, 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 to move into bureaus because once you get that buzz and you get moving, and some people are against bureaus, some people love them. My experience thus far has been incredible. I only have two bureaus that I'm with and love them. I'm not exclusive with them, um, but have strategically reached out to them and have worked with them closely. And the partnership has been incredible. Yeah, uh, It's been, yeah, I would totally advocate in a strategic manner, again, with the advice of guidance of people that are doing what you want to do. But that has been a good move for us thus far. How did you connect with the, the guys that are on your board today, especially when you're getting started yeah. and going like, Hey, there's some people that I look up to and admire and respect and would love to get their two cents. I'd love to quote unquote, pick their brain and get their, not just their two cents, but I really want their investment in my business and in my life. So what did that look like to get those people to buy in to, here's a guy who's up and coming, who's getting started and there's, uh, they're a dime a dozen. How did you convince those guys to give you the time of day to, and even more than just like, can I take you to lunch? But can you be a part of this, this kind of bigger investment in my life. What, what did that process look like for you? Yeah, I call it the power of the Rocky story. Okay. That's listening to this. You are, if you're beginning and you're trying to get into this and you're trying to create it and you're trying to do this full time, you are the Rocky story. You are yeah. the underdog. You are the person that's trying to make it right. That's trying to do something right. And yeah. I feel like for the most part, if you're, you know, I feel like most people love a Rocky story, right? Like they love that underdog story. They love, and if you, have the attitude of gratitude, first off, right? You're, you're, and you're teachable. Oh, man, it's amazing what, you know, I feel like the industry of speakers, for the most part, they're, they're pretty awesome people. Yeah. There's caliber, amazing, incredible people that would give their right arm to, for, for most things for the world. Like, that's what we do. Yeah. And obviously, there's not, the, there's, you'll find some duds in there too. But for the most part, there's some great human beings. Yeah. And I, I've always believed that you're 24 hours away from anybody in the world. 24 hours. 
And I saw the people that I wanted to meet and connect with, and I knew that we're killing it and doing so well. And, you know, so, 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 so two things to, to help with connecting. First off, NSA, 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 NSA. NSA has been a huge blessing in my life. The connections, the networks, influence. I know it's expensive. Influence is the big national conference that NSA does. But I have not missed that for three years, and it has been one of the greatest things for my business. Cool. Wow. Um, and then, Grant, your podcast. Your podcast has been so helpful. I've been an avid listener for a long time, and I'd listen. And if there was someone I was, like, jiving with and someone I loved what they were saying, I literally looked them up on Instagram, and I would shoot them a message. Cool. It was the Rocky story at that time, mm. and I still feel like I'm the Rocky story. I'm still in that I'm still in rookie mode. Stay in rookie mode as long as you can. Stay in yeah. rookie mode. And for, like, I remember Mark Sharonbrock. Mark Sharonbrock was like the dude I wanted to know. He was yeah. the guy I wanted to meet. And I found out he was going to influence. So I invested the money. I bought a plane ticket. It was my first influence ever. And I, he had no idea who I was. I had never met him before. But I, I, again, you're 24 hours away from anybody in the world. And if you're willing to do what it takes to associate with the greats, that's how you get great. That's how you get better. And yeah. I wanted to invest with those people. Yeah. And uh, so I flew out there and I saw him in the hallway and he was like in a kind of a conversation. He was sitting there with his cup of coffee in the morning and I went up and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, I said, Mark, I said, my name's Clint Pulver and you have no idea who I am, but I literally flew all the way out here to come to influence and to meet you. Is there any chance that I could have, 10, 15 minutes of your time throughout this conference. Yeah. And I said, I'm getting ready to quit my job and I, I, I'm going to jump back in the youth market. And he goes, now's great. Let's do it. Yeah. And we went and Mark had a cup of coffee and we sat down and in the hallway at NSA Influence and he just poured into me. He poured into me and he just helped. And he got, I didn't pay him anything. It didn't cost, it was just yeah. a, Mutual, like you're the Rocky story, Clint. And yeah. I, I feel like most people, they remember when they were there. Totally. They remember what it felt like to be that underdog and have no idea what you're doing and you're nervous and you're scared and you're, you're unsure. And he, he gave. And I was so grateful, Grant. And this is another thing that, again, if you're 24 hours away from anybody and if you reach those people, you connect with them and they give you your time, the power of gratitude not only just a good principle and you should always have that, but second of all, it has transformed the relationships and the opportunities that I've been able to have in this career by just saying, thank you. Yeah. Um, after Mark gave me that time, I mean, I was on cloud nine, Grant. I mean, Mark, yeah. Sheriff Rock, if you know Mark, he's a legend. yeah, he's just unbelievable. And I sent him, I, again, I didn't have like a ton of money, I, but I sent him a, a $25 gift card and I wrote him a handwritten note yeah. And I, I just, I just said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like it meant the world. And then I also shot him an email saying thank you as well. Yeah. He wrote back a week later and he said, and I still have the email. He wrote back and he said, Clint, you are one of the first persons or first young people that have ever taken the time to personally write and thank me for just talking to them. Yeah. And he said, anytime you need anything, give me a call. Yeah. And trust me, I have used that offer uh, many times. Mark and his wife are dear friends, and I have never paid a dime to him and his help and his guidance. And 
he's just been a great mentor. And it's not like something that I've, you know, I'm talking to him every day. It's just that attitude of reciprocal respect and, and gratitude. And, and that's how it's for the most part, it's worked with all of, I've never paid a coach. Yeah. I've never, it's just been through a lot of gift cards, a lot of handwritten notes, a lot of thank yous, a lot, a lot of, of gifts. So where people feel like they're valued, it's got to be a win-win. Think win-win in everything that you do for your clients, uh, for your mentors, to your audience. Yeah. Clint, this was really, really good. I really enjoyed this conversation. We appreciate you sharing your story and journey with us. If people want to find out more about you, check out the amazing video and the uh, legit website you got. Where, uh, where can we go? Yeah, they can hit me up on Instagram or they can also check out the website uh, at clintpulver.com and then the Instagram is just clintpulver as well. Cool. Thanks, man. We appreciate this. This is really good. Appreciate you, Grant. Thank you. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Clint Pulver. Just a great dude. Really authentic, genuine guy. And uh, we, Clint, we appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to share with us. Hey, like I mentioned at the beginning, if you would like to uh, check out our new YouTube channel, definitely go over to youtube.com slash the speaker lab or go over there and uh, search for the speaker lab or search for speech breakdown and find uh, speech breakdowns of the different talks that we have done. And, uh, Again, if you, you like what you see there, make sure you subscribe to it. Make sure you like the videos. Make sure you comment. And we'd love to connect with you over on YouTube as well. Hey, again, thanks for joining us. We really do appreciate you being here. And if there's anything we can ever do to, to help you, serve you, and support you as you build and grow your speaking business, then uh, please don't ever hesitate to reach out and let us know. Talk to you soon, my friend. You're awesome.